Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 it's lifeline with craig roberts he's the host of northern california's longest running conservative talk show he's a man with a message a conservative with compassion he's lifeline's own craig roberts and from me to you a happy thursday afternoon the second of April, and trust you're uh, staying well, staying healthy, and uh, staying sane. What else can we do, right? Don't have many options available to us, but uh, to do the best, lean on our faith, and uh, most importantly, take care of ourselves and take care of each other. All right, we got a full program for you tonight, but I want to talk ahead, if I can, to tomorrow night's program. Um, you heard on the show last night, Dr. Jerry Buckner joined us. We've talked a bit about some of the crazy ways in which people have responded to the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, tomorrow night, we're going to shift things up. Dr. Buckner was the keynote speaker at the recent Bay Area Church Workers Convention and gave an amazing and encouraging message on what discipleship and evangelism are all about. And in a day and an age when so many people so desperately need to hear the good news, because now suddenly, not just something we get to do, it's a matter of life and death. We thought we'd bring this message to you by Dr. Buckner, and we'll do that on the program tomorrow night at 5 o'clock. It's, uh, it's going to be an encouraging time in the Word. I hope you'll uh, make it a point to join us. If you have been following the shelter-in-place order, good for you. It's necessary, albeit perhaps a bit uncomfortable and challenging at times. Imagine those, though, that can't shelter in place because they have no shelter. The issue of homelessness has been weighing heavily on my heart the last several days as I see the police going through certain communities and breaking up gatherings, somebody had a birthday party and forgot about the whole social distancing requirement and the police had to come in and send everybody home. You have a home to go to. You may be a little frustrated that you're stuck in it, but so many don't have homes. How are homeless people coping in the middle of this crisis? Well, Dr. John Anderson the executive director of the Bay Area Rescue Mission will join us coming up tonight at 5.30 to talk about how they are dealing with the uh, shelter-in-place order and reaching out to meet the enormous need, a crisis really, amongst the homeless population where they are so susceptible to disease and illness because of living on the streets, compromised immune systems, and now adding to the tragedy the challenge of dealing with COVID-19. So John Anderson joins us tonight at 5.30 as we lead off the program this evening, a repeat visit by a guest that we've asked to come back on the show. He recently wrote a white paper that answers perhaps many of the questions that you have been asking for yourself, maybe um, equal to both believer and non-believer 
When we look at a pandemic like this, we wonder to ourselves, where exactly is God when things like this happen? Joining us now is Dr. Jim Dennison. Dr. Dennison is the Chief Visionary Officer of Dennison Forum. His daily article and podcast globally reached over 200,000 subscribers. He is the author of multiple best-selling books, has taught on philosophy of religion and apologetics at several seminaries. Prior to launching the Denison Forum in 2009, he pastored churches in both Texas and in Georgia. He holds a Ph.D. and Master of Divinity from Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. And Dr. Denison, great to have you back on the program. Craig, so glad to be back with you today, my friend. I appreciate the privilege. The, uh, the timing on this is, uh, is so critical, I, because these are questions I think that not only all of us are, are asking for ourselves in those still um, quiet moments, but perhaps even as believers, as we have come in contact, and hopefully carefully so, uh, but as we have come in contact with others that know perhaps and hopefully our position on Christ have maybe even posed the question to us, and we've struggled for an answer. Where is God in the midst of a pandemic like this? And in this marvelously written new white paper you call A Pastor's View, you, you help to not only answer that question, but also give us a bit of perspective here in that, while it may be new for us, global pandemics that have wreaked havoc on mankind, they're certainly not new to planet Earth, are they? They're actually not. I did some study on pandemic as I was working on the paper, and I was surprised. I'm a resident scholar for ethics with Baylor Scott and White Healthcare. I've been involved in healthcare in the context of medical ethics for a long time, but I never really looked at the history of pandemics until all of this. And I was surprised myself at the degree to which, until our generation, really, this has been a fact of life. Even our parents and grandparents had to think about polio. A lot had to think about smallpox. A lot had to think about tuberculosis. We're in the midst of the seventh cholera epidemic right now. You go back to the second century and uh, plague in AD 165, the plague of Justinian in 541. Of course, the Black Death, everybody has heard about 1346 and so forth. The flu pandemic, 1889, of course, the Spanish flu of 1918. There was another flu epidemic in 1957. And so while this is certainly new to us, it's not new to the human condition at all. We've heard so many references to the 1918 flu pandemic. It was certainly one that I'm very personally aware of because my great-grandfather perished mm. in that flu pandemic. Mm. Uh, and yet we've not heard the news talk much about the grander perspective that I guess we've sort of lived a charmed life in the sense that as much as we complain about, and bitterly so perhaps, uh, the condition of health care in America and to Obamacare or not to Obamacare and all of the issues related to health insurance and the cost of health care and so on and so forth, we really have lived a charmed life, haven't we, in so much as other than things like polio, which fewer and fewer people even remember that since Jonas Salk mm -hmm. came across the, uh, the cure for that many decades ago. It, this seems to be completely uncharted territory, and yet there has been, albeit with different types of pandemics, but this has been really mm -hmm. cyclical throughout all of recorded history. It really has, and unfortunately, I think it's fair to say we're going to see more of this in the future. 
part of, as you know, Craig, part of what makes uh, an epidemic into a pandemic is the degree to which it becomes global in its scope and space. Well, there was a day, of course, when it would take a long time to get something from China over to the United States. Today, with air travel, with the way that we are so connected in geopolitical context, we're going to see more of these that would have been local expressions that are going to become national and even perhaps uh, geopolitical and uh, global as well. And so I'm afraid this is something that we're going to have to be aware of as we go forward. Coronaviruses specifically are continuing to evolve. They're continuing to become a challenge to us. We speak of flu, but there are actually four different kinds of flu that are all under that one umbrella. People sometimes wonder why they have to get a flu shot every year. It's because flu continues to morph in so many ways, continues to evolve and to, and to change. That's why they're typically only 45% effective on a good year, because the flu itself has changed so much between the time when they studied it and when we actually take the vaccine. So this is a fact of being fallen people in a fallen world. You know, when we see tragic events of a pretty phenomenal scale take place, maybe it's the explosion at a refinery plant and there's tragic loss of life or the crashing of an airliner. We've seen a couple of those happen in in, uh, the last year here that in fact brought the entire Boeing company to its knees. Uh, And we see those things and I think oftentimes they say, well, why did God let that happen? But now in the case of the current pandemic, knowing where these come from and that they are um, biological in nature and and therefore perhaps more out of the the natural occurring world than anything that's directly a invention of man, though there has been speculation of same. Um, Now we're hearing more of the question as to why God did this. Why did he make this happen? How do we as a Christian get some perspective on the bigger, broader question of why does God allow pandemics in the first place? The first thing I think we want to do is own the question. We Christians believe that God is all-knowing, all-loving, and all-powerful. Other world religions do not believe that on the same level that we do. Our world religions a long time, we could have that conversation, but really Christianity in a fairly unique way says that God is all-knowing, so he knew this pandemic would happen. He's all-loving, so he would want to stop it, you would think. He's all-powerful, so he could. So why doesn't he? If I were all-knowing, all-loving, and all-powerful, there wouldn't be this pandemic, I would be saying. And so the first thing we have to do is admit that this is a fact that Christians have to address by virtue of what we believe uniquely about God. Then the second thing, of course, we want to understand quickly is that while God created the world, the world as it is now is not the way he intended it to be. You and I are familiar with the concept of the fall and the fact, according to Romans 8, that because of humanity's fall, all of creation has fallen, and creation is therefore broken. Creation groans and travails, as Romans chapter 8 says. And so we ask, why did God cause this? But really, God didn't cause this. This is the result of us misusing the freedom that God gave us back in the primordial era and the world being damaged, as it were, as a result. We're driving a, a broken car now. We're driving a car that the designer didn't intend to be driven the way it is. And so I could blame the designer. I could blame the maker for the car. But if I'm misusing the vehicle, it's not the fault of Ford or GM or Toyota that the car is operating as it is. And so ultimately, it's not that God caused this world to be the way it is. That's a result of the fall. But I would hasten to say God redeems. In fact, I say God redeems all that he allows. God is still on his throne. God is still sovereign. We can still come to him for help and hope. But it's not his fault that this happened, as though he caused this. It's the result of a fallen world. And, you know, the irony there is it's so easy to try to lay blame because it allows us to sort of escape any sense of responsibility or accountability. 
And yet the bigger, broader picture of sin, be it our own sinful nature and actions that that um, bring tragedy and crisis to our own lives, or the broader historical viewpoint on it, where, as you aptly point out, this was not God's perfect design. In fact, if anything, God wanted just the contrary for us. It isn't as if exactly. somehow he forced sin upon us, but in fact, we knowingly invited it in even having have been warned in advance of what the potential consequences would be if we did so. I mean, God, generally speaking, in the Garden of Eden, gave Adam and Eve pretty pretty broad swath in terms of what they could and could not do. In fact, my recollection is he limited down to one single list of don'ts. And that was the one list that we decided, no, we think we know more than God. And we challenged him at his word. And in doing so, we've now paid the consequences, haven't we? We have, and from then till today, it's the same story, as you know. I often say there's really only one temptation. It's in Genesis chapter 3, where Satan says to Adam and Eve, you will be as God. Everything I do wrong is my attempt to be God. I'll be my own God by lying about that or stealing this. I'll be my own God by misrepresenting this or abusing that. It's my attempt to be who I am not made to be. It's me trying to be the creator rather than the creature. It's me trying to be God. Just as was the case with Adam and Eve, it's the case with me. And the consequence of my misused freedom is not God's fault. God will still forgive. God will still redeem. God still loves. God's still a God of grace. But when I blame him for what I do, it's transference, as you say. It's Adam blaming the woman and the woman blaming the serpent, when at the end of the day, each of us have to own our own sin if we're going to get better. As you know, the first of the 12-step programs is to admit I'm an alcoholic or whatever it is. I have to admit I have a disease before I'm willing to ask the doctor for the help that I need from the doctor. So if we acknowledge that God made it all, controls it all, if we acknowledge that we are living the consequences of that sinful nature, that sinful condition, it's a broken world in which we reside, that there are times when God can certainly use disaster and disease to catch our attention, and sometimes, undoubtedly, even in his world, use it as a sense of judgment against sin in the world. And if we understand that God intervenes in that very same broken world because he has a broader and bigger plan for us, then where does that take us next? We'll talk about that aspect of this equation. Our visit today is with best-selling author Dr. Jim Dennison. Dr. Dennison is the chief visionary officer of Dennison Forum. And we're talking today about a fascinating new white paper that he wrote recently entitled, Where is God When Pandemics Strike? A Biblical and Practical Response. When we come back, we'll talk about the Christian response as this edition of Lifeline continues with Dr. Jim Dennison right after this. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to our conversation. Dr. Jim Dennison is with us, CVO of the Dennison Forum. He's the author of multiple books, taught on philosophy of religion and apologetics at several seminaries. And prior to launching the Dennison Forum in 2009, pastored churches in both Texas and in Georgia. We're talking about the contents of a white paper that Dr. Dennison has written entitled, Where is God When Pandemics Strike? And of course, one of the big aspects to this, in addition to trying to figure out God's role in all of it, and I think we've helped to really answer that question, the bigger question 
that every Christian needs to be asking ourselves, and that is, right now, what do we do with this? Meaning, here's the set of circumstances that we have been handed. People all around us, Dr. Dennison, are concerned, they're worried, they've maybe already been touched by this virus directly or indirectly through their own illness or that of a loved one, maybe even suffered the loss of a loved one. And now they're looking for answers. And here we are as believers with, I think, a very unique opportunity in this moment of time to do something special if we just knew how to appropriately respond. Greg, I couldn't believe, I couldn't agree more. In fact, I've been saying in lots of places where I've been speaking on this that this is an unprecedented crisis, which is therefore an unprecedented opportunity. People are more aware of mortality than they've been perhaps in my lifetime. They're more searching for help. They're more looking for help and for hope. Our website traffic has doubled in the last two weeks. Our podcast uh, traffic has nearly doubled in the last two weeks. As people are looking for answers. They're looking for a hope in this hopeless time when it feels that there's no hope anyplace else. It's the old saying that you have to get so far down you'll look nowhere but up. And finally, people are looking up, and Christians want to be there. We need to see this as an opportunity for the sake of eternal salvation in the lives of those that we can reach out to. So I completely agree. Let's move into this. Let's, let's run into this. Let's, let's be praying, Lord, how could you use me? Who should I be texting? Who should I be emailing? Who should I be calling? Who's lonely? Who's afraid? Who's hurting? Who needs my ministry? Who needs me to be your hands and your feet, knowing that I can make an eternal difference? I can plant a seed I may never sit under. May plant a tree I'll never sit under, but I can make an eternal difference by speaking to hurting people today. The opportunity to share is certainly an enormous one and to bring a sense of hope and comfort. But I wonder, too, about the opportunity to grow through all of this. You know, we're coming up, even as we have our discussion here today, Dr. Dennison, we're a week and a day away from the Passion of Christ, from Good Friday. And Oftentimes, I think the church, in kind of a sanitized fashion, has, has wanted to be uh, more drawn toward the resurrection of Christ. That fellowship of his sufferings parts, sometimes we, we're not go all excited about that. But in the midst of all of this, and when there's tremendous suffering and loss, and even for ourselves, maybe somebody listening to our conversation right now as a believer is currently unemployed. They're not sure where the next paycheck or the money's coming from to pay the rent or the mortgage or keep food on the table. And so there, there is really a sense of, 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 of being tried through this time, or maybe somebody listening who has been diagnosed with COVID-19 and is physically suffering. Is this an opportunity for us to find Christ in the midst of our pain? As no place else. Charles Spurgeon said he never grew half so much as upon a bed of pain. Mother Teresa said you'll never know Jesus is all you need till Jesus is all you have. And so for all of us, there are things that we can learn in suffering that we can't learn anyplace else. A quick example of that, my oldest son was diagnosed with cancer some years ago, had surgery they didn't get at all. He had to go through six weeks of radiation to save his life. I was down with him at MD Anderson as they were strapping him onto this device to radiate him to try to kill this cancer to save his life. And praise God, he is today well, and we're so grateful. We continue to pray for his continued healing. But in that moment, I would have done anything to trade places. Any parent or grandparent understands what I mean. You would, in that moment, take any steps to to trade places with your son in the suffering that he is about to go through. And I realized Jesus did that for me that the Father allowed his son to die in my place. It'd be as though I allowed my son to take that radiation for somebody else, that I sent my son there, that, that, that I intended my son to go through that suffering for somebody else. I can't begin to understand that love, 
but I can embrace it, I can receive it, and I learn something about the love of the Father and the love of the Son in grieving with my Son as he was going through this radiation and this cancer that is still the most terrifying thing I've ever been through. I learned something about God in that that I couldn't have learned anyplace else. So that'd be the thing to be asking. Whether you're without a job, you're worried about your finances, your health, your family, what could God be doing in this to help you to know him in a new way? How could you be praying, Lord, what could you teach me? How could you help me? How could you bless me? How could you use this in my life to draw me closer to you? What could I learn that I couldn't learn anyplace else upon this bed of pain? And, you know, I think finally, Dr. Dennison, of the utter irony that so many, I think, certainly in the church in the West today, um, we get busy sometimes doing more about doing church than being the church and activities with day-to-day life and a job and doing all that we're required to do. And then suddenly we're given this lockdown. And maybe for the first time, as we've always talked about, gee, if I only had time to read scripture more or pray more. And suddenly now the time that we never had before a couple of weeks ago, now we have an abundance of time. It would seem to me that this is an opportunity, maybe in a way, God's way, of opening up that window of opportunity for us to not only understand what it like, what it's like in the passion of Christ to experience pain, to become re- totally reliant upon Him, to surrender our every need to Him, to reach out and share Christ's compassion towards others, but also to have the time to finally read and pray and grow more in His grace. Absolutely. I've been writing a lot in recent days about spiritual disciplines. The ones that we're all familiar with, that we're all, you know, uh, typically practicing are more the public disciplines, whether it's worship services or church attendance, activities, things like that. But solitude, meditation, silence, listening for the voice of God. Those are not uh, the kind of disciplines that our culture applauds, are they? That's not the kind of of time spent that the culture endorses and rewards. Now we have this opportunity. So something I would encourage the folks listening to us right now to do is make an appointment with God tomorrow. Decide early in the day. I would urge you to do that, even if you're not a morning person. Ronald Reagan once asked his pilots on Air Force One why they landed so close to the front of the runway, and they said the first thing they teach you in flight school is you can't use the runway that's behind you. Jesus in Mark one thirty five started the day with the Lord. So start your day with God, even if it's just a few minutes. Get alone with him. Get his word. Read even if it's ten verses. If you're not sure where to start, I'd suggest the Gospel of John. Read a few verses. Ask God to speak to you. Have a journal. Write down what comes to your thoughts. Pray about that. Pray about your needs. Pray for other people. Make an appointment to spend this time with God. Ask God to speak to you through that. And if you're already doing this, then I would ask you to take the next disciplines. Consider meditation. Consider solitude. If you're not sure what to do, Richard Foster's book, Celebration of Discipline, is a classic with wonderful guides. We have some guidelines on our ministry at denisonforum.org. And I've done a video recently on spiritual discipline I would encourage you to consider. But really look for ways to reframe this time from social distancing as a time of spiritual renewal. We may be separated from others, but this is a great time to grow ever closer to our Father and to have experiences that will make us more like Christ, experiences that will stay with us for the rest of our lives. And this white paper that we've been referring to throughout our conversation today, Dr. Dennison, is that also available on your website? It is, absolutely. All folk need to do is go to Denison for D-E-N-I-S-O-N, forum, F-O-R-U-M dot O-R-G. 
All the materials are there. I do two daily articles that they can see there. They can subscribe. Everything's free that we have there. They're welcome to that. They're welcome to our Facebook content. I post two articles on Facebook and our website a day. We, I send several tweets during the day. I'm breaking news. I'm on Instagram as well. Our total reach is around 2 million between all of those various uh, forums that we have together. And uh, there are ways that individuals can see all of that. I even have a daily feed that they can go to on the website where everything I've written on that given day is available at one place. So the website's the best place to start, denisonforum.org. And we appreciate so much uh, your time today and uh, the insights, uh, very timely given all that we're, uh, we're confronted with here, especially as we head into to Easter. I think putting together the notion of the passion of the Christ with this time of year and um, what's happening to all of us is so critically important. Dr. Jim Dennison, thanks so much for your time. Finds 30 from KFAX. Let's get you a look at traffic right now as we swing back over to the KFAX Traffic Center. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. At the present time, there are some 90% of Americans across the nation that are under one sort of a shelter-in-place order or another. To be sure, certain communities have come online a bit later. The restrictions perhaps not as severe, although states like California and New York certainly hit the hardest. We've learned perhaps the toughest lesson of how important shelter-in-place orders are. But what if what if you have no shelter? Rains aren't over with yet. We've got more coming in this weekend. It's been estimated we could see as much as three and a half feet of snow in the Sierra Mountains. A big deluge coming to the San Francisco Bay Area. And against the backdrop of all that is going on and these shelter-in-place orders, ponder for a moment what happens when you have no shelter to begin with. Joining me now is the executive director of the Bay Area Rescue Mission, Reverend John Anderson. And Reverend Anderson, you've been on my heart and thoughts a lot over these past couple of three weeks here since all of this really began in earnest. Um, because if there's anybody in any ministry that's working on the front lines and perhaps facing one of the biggest challenges, right now it's the Bay Area Miss- Rescue Mission. Give us a bit of an update as to first what's been going on. Well, thanks, Craig. And it's Always great to be able to share uh, with you and with our KFAX listeners uh, how God is using the ministry of the Bay Area Rescue Mission to really impact so many people's lives. Uh, You're right. It has been a very challenging past three weeks. Uh, You know, Craig, we do our best to listen to the county, actually the nine different county health departments, uh, nine different counties touched the San Francisco Bay. And uh, so we got nine different counties and their health departments, ordinance guidelines and orders. Uh, we're listening to the state uh, requirements uh, from the governor and others statewide to the CDC and even the federal government's uh, guidelines and orders. And so our, our life is gotten a lot more complex in the last three weeks. In fact, one of the things that has made it so complex is that being the largest privately funded Christian ministry dedicated to helping the homeless and needy here in the Bay Area, 
we have had to reduce our staff by 50% uh, because of health ordinances and orders because 50% of our staff is in that critical age or have pre-existing uh, health conditions like uh, recovering from cancer or being diabetic. Uh, so 50% of our staff has not been able to work at the rescue mission for the last uh, few weeks. And on top of that, uh, we had to suspend uh, the use of volunteers because of the health ordinances and guidelines. So typically every week at the Bay Area Rescue Mission, 250 people come in and volunteer doing everything from helping prepare meals, serve meals, chapel services, uh, just about everything that we do. And those volunteers contribute over 400 hours per week. So it's like uh, not only did we lose 50% of our staff, but we lost the equivalent of about 10 full-time employees who were actually volunteers. When you add that, uh, Craig, on top of the fact that uh, our attendance numbers have jumped uh, as other counties, county health departments uh, and the secular shelters, some of them have closed down because they can't keep up with the guidelines and regulations for keeping everything sanitized and social distancing and all of that, and, and we are doing those things. But uh, in the last couple of weeks, we've seen our meal numbers jump by 500 per day. We're serving oh. an extra, preparing and serving an extra 500 meals per day. We're sheltering an extra 50 people every night, and still it's not enough. Um, but, you know, Craig, probably the thing that I, I find just such a blessing to be able to do this type of work, reaching out to people that have no place else to go, that have basically used up every other resource, uh, that are in such critical need, we're finding more and more people hungry for the gospel. In fact, last night at our chapel service for the homeless and, and hurting people coming to the rescue mission, last night at the chapel service, 26 individuals accepted Jesus as their savior at the Bay Area Rescue Mission. Wow. See, there is some good news. There is that proverbial silver lining in the midst of this dark COVID-19 cloud. And, you know, to put this in perspective for listeners, and, and uh, you and I, uh, Reverend Anderson, have known each other for many, many years, and this has been a, a wonderful partnership between the Bay Area Rescue Mission and, and what we do here to uh, help encourage our listeners to be a part of the team, so to speak, and make a difference in the lives of, of homeless and needy families throughout the San Francisco Bay Area. And, and ironically, the peak season typically for you is during the holidays and during the cold and clement weather months. So typically November, December, January, February, you see a big spike in people coming through. They need meals. They need shelter during the winter. Needy families are looking for a way to kind of brighten the Christmas for uh, maybe their children by uh, the Bay Area Rescue sure. Mission providing toys for needy kids or or meals for families. And of course, during that time too, we see a big surge in volunteerism and people coming down to the rescue mission to wrap Christmas gifts and prepare meals and deliver. 
deliver meals to needy families. And so it's an opportunity for really the body of Christ, the community to come together and to literally shoulder to shoulder um, help meet these needs. The challenge here, of course, is we're working in a really unprecedented set of circumstances where there's a huge spike in the need, not just because of the weather, but because of fear of, of the kind of risk that people are under because of COVID-19, living on the streets. And then with this huge spike in the need, where typically we could call out the enforcements, <laughs> so to speak, right. and, and say, hey, folks, we need more volunteers. Go on down. Let's help. Let's be there. The problem, of course, is now being able to maintain the the safe distances um, this this really poses an enormous challenge. Well, and, and plus our volunteers, uh, just like you were talking about earlier in, in the program, uh, the volunteers are all sheltering in place. Yeah. Uh, we, we are an essential ministry slash business uh, as far as the county and state, uh, the, you know, the people in charge are concerned that uh, are trying to keep us safe from the COVID-19 virus. But, uh, yeah, we we are getting so many calls from our regular volunteers, from people that want to volunteer. And uh, at this time, we just are forced to say, gosh, we sure appreciate it, but you're supposed to be sheltered in place and, and we can't use you right now. So a lot of our a lot of our donors, volunteers, friends, supporters are are stepping up, and we absolutely appreciate uh, can't put a value on the amount of prayer that's going forth for the rescue mission, for our ministry, for the people that we're reaching out and helping during this time. And, and so I, I'm sure that the result of a lot of those prayers is seeing twenty men and women who got saved at the rescue mission last night. That, uh, you know, it's encouraging to hear that in. news, John, and, and yeah. to know that, that during this time, and let's face it, all of us, you know, if if watching the news and hearing what's going on doesn't cause you to pause and to think about where your life is headed in the greater equation of eternity and the kind of relationship that you have with God and what all this means, I mean, I, I it's a natural, I think, reaction, particularly to seeing this very real and present danger and threat that each and every one of us faces. Now, if you're in Christ, it's a little different perspective. We know in whom we have believed. We know that if, if um, so be it that we are struck with this disease, that not only is God capable and willing to heal us, but failing that, that we go immediately to meet our Savior. And as we're reminded by the Apostle Paul, to be present to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Now, for everyone else that doesn't have that assurance, doesn't have that hope, doesn't have that understanding, therein lies the enormous opportunity to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you've just joined us, our visit with Reverend John Anderson of the Bay Area Rescue Mission. And when we come back, we're going to ask John a very practical question in terms of how we can be, in any fashion and way possible, helping right now. As I mentioned a moment ago, the rains continue. Winter is not over with yet. We've got more. We've had some nice sunshine the last several days, but that's going to end 
on Saturday, and we're going to be into a pretty significant storm cycle that is promising to dump anywhere between three to as many as four feet of snow in the Sierras. And, of course, uh, we're probably looking at two, three, four inches here in some parts of the San Francisco Bay Area by the end of the week or week's end as well. And so with all of that, not only more and more people that are homeless seeking shelter, but now you add to it the pressure of individuals who maybe had a job or maybe were squeaking by a few days ago that suddenly aren't. And their circumstances are perhaps far more severe than yours. They are more on the edge than you are, while all of us might be facing some challenges. Those that were already financially compromised are now in the most dire of circumstances. So the need for the ministry and work of the Bay Area Rescue Mission is greater now than even perhaps ever before. What can we do to help? What are some of the ways in which we can be effectively praying for the work and ministry of the Bay Area Rescue Mission and ministries like it at this time? We'll explore that part of the equation when we come back after a timeout. A quick update for you on traffic first from the KFAX Traffic Center, the latest for you at 550. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. In the midst of so many horror stories that we've been reading, hearing related to the coronavirus pandemic and its impact on so many parts of the world, there is that silver lining in this cloud. There is ways in which there are ways in which God can, will, and use us and use this set of circumstances for his glory. Reverend John Anderson, executive director of the Bay Area Rescue Mission, is here with us, and he just shared before the break an example of one of the ways in which there is a silver lining to this cloud, in so much as that just yesterday, 25 individuals that came into the Bay Area Rescue Mission for a meal dedicated and surrendered their lives to Christ. And I would no doubt expect to hear many, many more stories like that in the coming weeks and months. The big question, of course, I guess, is as we we address the question of what can and should we as the church be doing to seize the moment, to see this not as just a horrific event, but an opportunity in which God can demonstrate his love, his power, his healing power, his restorative power, most importantly, his saving power. Um, Help us understand, Reverend Anderson, under these circumstances, how can the church in a very real and practical way be standing with the ministry of the Bay Area Rescue Mission in every way possible, practically, financially, prayerfully, and otherwise, during this critical time? Well, Craig, I I know that numbers has never been one of your strong suits, uh, but it it was actually 26 people yesterday, not 25. 26, Uh, even better. (laughs) Accepted Jesus as their Savior at the mission. And In fact, let me just... uh, say for a moment that out of the 26 that accepted Jesus as their Savior, five of those individuals a few days ago, we sent to the county hospital to be tested for the coronavirus. They, they had enough of the symptoms that uh, put them in that high-risk category. They all came back without being uh, positive. They were all negative, but uh, five of those 26 had an encounter that, uh, shall we say, uh, woke them up to looking at eternity. Um, 
So what what can our listeners do to really help us with the Bay Area Rescue Mission? I, I think of three things right now that uh, we would appreciate more than anything else. Uh, number one, their prayers. We have uh, about 20 staff members that are working front line with uh, so many homeless and desperately needy people. Most of them have high-risk potential for the coronavirus. Uh, so our, our people are right there ministering to people in great need. So if you can keep us, not only the staff, the mission, also our homeless guests in your prayers, uh, that would be the most appreciated. Uh, the second thing, you know, as we're seeing these increased numbers of people coming in for shelter, people coming in for meals, it's, it's an extra cost of about uh, $2,000, uh, $1,500 to $2,000 every day that we're incurring that we really haven't planned on. So that's roughly $45,000 uh, or more a month, That uh, $45,000 or more a month that uh, we didn't have in our budget, didn't have in our plans. And yet, uh, so if, if our listeners could send an extra donation, that would really help a lot so that we can continue to share the gospel. The, the third thing that I would encourage anyone to do is to either go online at bayarearescue.org, www.bayarearescue.org, uh, or, or even through the regular mail, send a note to someone that uh, you probably don't even know that would be encouraging to them since they're homeless, they're hurting, they're afraid at this time with the virus, especially those that don't know Jesus as their Savior. Send them a note of encouragement. Uh, share a scripture. Share something that's made a difference in your life with our homeless guests, and we'll make sure that those notes of encouragement get out to people that desperately need to hear something encouraging at this point in their lives. And it would see so encouraging to hear from someone at this time to know that that um, somebody is reaching out with the love of Christ to share an encouraging word. I, I was by a um, a retirement facility here uh, where my stepmother lives a couple of days ago, and uh, noticed that a local school had sent notes, um, little drawings from the kids before they were sent out of school, of course, uh, to encourage all the seniors that live there. And I thought, what a nice, thoughtful touch. Well, boy, imagine uh, while your kids are home right now and looking for something to do, that they could um, grab some crayons and see what kind of an art artistic flair they have sure. and uh, write out some cards and drop them in the mail to the Bay Area Rescue Mission. They don't have to be personalized. You know, it could be just simply addressed to dear friend and um, share an encouraging word, share a favorite passage of Scripture, and use that as a means of encouraging somebody right now who is already dealing with difficult circumstances, to be sure. And now suddenly, as we all are, facing a potentially life-threatening illness just makes it that much more challenging, but that much more of an open opportunity. The other thing that I want to underscore, and, and Reverend Anderson did not ask me to say this, but I'm going to, um, this is such a critical crossroads right now, and I recognize the fact that many of you listening right now have probably been furloughed. You've been told by the boss, that's it. 
Uh, we'll see you in a month. Maybe your economic future is even more uncertain than that, as some companies, because of the financial challenges that they're facing, may have to make some long-term changes to staffing, which means that more jobs, in fact, could be in jeopardy. Um, I think there's a pretty popular notion that right now we are officially in a recession and um, things may get more challenging before they get better. But I want you to prayerfully, as you're able to, consider an extra special gift this time of year for the Bay Area Rescue Mission. Um, The job that they are doing is a frontline job. The staff members that are coming in every day are leaving their families to come and minister, knowing that they're actually taking a risk in doing so and that they could potentially bring COVID-19 back home to their own families. And yet they've been willing to take the risk because they recognize that the work that they do is so critically important. And our partnership with them at this time is so critically important. So now that you've got a little extra time on your hands, um, be mindful to be praying for Bay Area Rescue Mission, the staff, handful of volunteers that are still able to come in and ministering to the needs of hurting families, homeless women that have escaped bad circumstances and have come to the Bay Area Rescue Mission and so many more that are coming in night by night just to get off of the streets because of both the weather and the fear factor. Uh, pray for the staff, for their health, their well-being, um, their, their energy, their strength to get through all of this. And then as you are able, uh, log on to bayarearescue.org and uh, give a special gift. Um, maybe you've gotten part of that, uh, uh, you, you're one of the good folks that <laughs> filed your, your income taxes early and maybe you've already gotten your refund check and you're looking for a place maybe where you can put some money aside, maybe put some bit into the kingdom. Doesn't have to be a lot. If we all did a little, it would make a big difference. Online at bayarearescue.org. That's bayarearescue.org. Reverend Anderson, before we wrap up, anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? You know, our, our listeners have been so compassionate and generous over the years. I just want to say thank you. Thank you for your prayers, your support, your involvement. And uh, we're looking forward to a day sometime in the near future that uh, you can come down and take a tour of the Bay Area Rescue Mission, see for yourself how your contributions, your prayers, your involvement is being used of God to change lives. What an amazing crossroads in which we find ourselves. And I think that God um, has a unique opportunity for the church right now at this time. You know, the Bible talks of a season when there would be wars and rumors of wars and and, uh, there would be earthquakes in diverse places before the end times. And I'm not suggesting that we're necessarily there. I have no crystal ball. I don't know. I can tell you definitively we're a day closer today than we were yesterday. But that said... Let's not spurn the opportunity here. Let's grasp the moment and do all that we can to share our faith, to encourage others, to lead others to Christ, to pray for those in the front lines, and to stand with ministries like the Bay Area Rescue Mission at this critical time. Your prayer means everything. If you can do a little bit more by providing some resources as they are being strapped to, um, to meet needs and not turn people away, 
Uh, now is the time to do it. You can stand with the organization by going to bayarearescue.org. That's bayarearescue.org. And uh, we'll be talking to Reverend Anderson again real soon here. We can stay on top of what God is doing and the unique opportunity that all of us, as we, the church, the body of Christ in the Bay Area, have at this unique, albeit challenging, but unique period in time. Our thanks again to Reverend John Anderson, Executive Director of the Bay Area Rescue Mission. Your opportunity to stand with them, pray with them, go online to bayarearescue.org. That's bayarearescue.org. All right, 603, let's get caught up on some traffic right now as we swing over to the KFAX Traffic Center for the latest.